This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Tiesta Tea. Tiesta Tea was started to revolutionize the way people consume tea. Finding the right tea should be simple. What will it do for me, and what will it taste like? By focusing on function and flavor, Tiesta Tea makes tea approachable and easy to understand. Tiesta Tea created five functional categories based on the health benefits that each blend naturally gives you. And with a variety of flavors within each function, there are blends to fit every taste and lifestyle. Use code TMIGOS20 for 20% off your first order on TiestaT.com. That's TMIGOS20. Welcome to the TMIGOS podcast, the show where we talk life while enjoying tea. Today, I talked with Maddie Barsky, founder of Mad Sun LA Tacos and Textiles. Mad Sun is a Venice, California-based taco company inspired by Austin, Texas flavors and traditions. Maddie and I discussed about tea, baking, sustainable food practices, tacos, and textiles, of course. Check out Mad Sun LA at madsunla.com. That's M-A-D-S-U-N-L-A.com. Or on Instagram at madsunla. And enjoy the show. Maddie Barsky, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? So good. So good. It's been very long since we've, uh, I don't do you remember the last time it's been since uh, we've gotten a chance to hang out? I don't even know. I mean, I haven't been in Chicago in forever, but I saw your note and I'm so excited. I know. Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, you're doing incredible things. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been a while. It's cool to see um just people what they do after school and I mean I don't again I don't know when the last time is we've really talked but I feel like it's literally been since high school and so just (laughs) and considering that's like almost like 10 years ago it's uh it's wild it's it's just a it's wild and it's cool to see you're doing some cool things you're out in LA now right Mm -hmm. and living in Venice this is my third year out here time flies yeah um, yeah, how how are you enjoying that? I'm loving it. I think, I mean, what I'll say is when I first moved out here, it was like totally a culture shock from anything I really knew. But I loved this like culture of people who like were dreamers and had weird jobs and kind of like found their thing to, you know, like pursue these passions that I think, you know, might otherwise feel pretty wild or unrealistic um and I have to say it's given me a lot of opportunity to do the same um so yeah that's kind of how I got into cooking and baking which is like where my first couple jobs out here yeah that's incredible because you've been I mean you were uh, you were born in the midwest right yeah born in Chicago yeah born in Chicago obviously raised there and then went out to Texas and now you're out in LA it's that's cool you've been kind of all over you've gotten a little taste of of the of the US, I mean East Coast might be next for you. I you know. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah, before we kind of jump into the baking and and the uh the food stuff, which obviously I really want to dive deep into that stuff. Let's talk about this tea. So, you said you are a ginger tea fanatic, is that correct? I am. I you am. are. So, what's no caffeine? What's your, tea. No caffeine. <laughs> 
now. All right. Why? Why is that? Caffeine does make me feel good. I don't know, but I love tea, especially mm. when it's cold. Um, but honestly, all the time. So this is definitely my tea of choice. So I'm excited to have mine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know ginger tea. It's um kind of been a staple of mine as well since high school. I've been on the green tea kick, and then I've always been drinking kind of ginger tea as well. Ginger, and I actually added to mine turmeric and lemon because those oh, are, very nice. I, yeah, I love those, that combination of, of herbs too. Um, totally. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So sticking on the tea subject real quick, what, what's your tea experience? You said you don't really like caffeinated stuff, but like, what's your, do you have any tea experience or? Well, so, so if I am going to caffeinate, which is honestly like, you know, once every three or four months, I'll have a day where I absolutely need it that's when I do my green tea um otherwise you know it's like ginger lemon tea it's some something of that variety but honestly I just got a teapot it's like nice changing. it is because now it's like it's fun to make tea and you get like three cups a night and so I I've truly drinking so much tea in the last three months it's insane so this came at a great time <laughs> yes, I love that. I love that. The the teapot, is this like a teapot with the strainer inside of it? No, it's, oh, it's just not. like one with the, you know, makes the... a little noise, it's blue, it's cute. I love it. Great. I love it because... It yes, no, I've, I'm the same way. I, I see, I've upgraded. Um, I have this, I used to have one of those and then my aunt, she actually gave me, here, I'll show you real quick. Sorry for everyone not looking, but I'll explain what this is. This is like, um, so it's an, yeah, it's actually got the temperatures on the side for it, like here. So for people listening, this is a teapot that's, it's an electric teapot that when you turn it on, you can choose what temperature setting you want to go to. And it actually is labeled like for green tea, white tea, oolong, herbal, black. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What's your ideal temperature setting? Do you like your tea really piping hot or like on the mellow side it depends it depends on the tea because some teas yeah some teas they are really delicate and if you boil the water it will actually burn the tea leaves and create that bitter Mm -hmm. taste that people kind of associate with tea and it's that's probably why they're associating it with tea is because they're actually burning their leaves creating a bitter um a That's interesting. Taste. I need to look into this more. I've definitely yes. been burning my tea. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're drinking, yeah, and green tea especially, that's mm-hmm. that's one of those that you don't want to steep for more than three minutes. And you yep. want to keep it at like 160, 175 is like the max. You really want to go with green tea. Very um, cool. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a science. Like when you get into it, I mean, trust me, for the longest time – I was the type of guy who would toss a tea bag in like boiling water and leave it yes. and drink it, sip on it all day. And, yeah. and after like two hours, it tastes like pretty nasty, yeah. but I'm still there. I'm with you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's, um, I've, I've now gotten to the point where I'm kind of like a tea snob where like I see someone doing that and I'm like, it, it like hurts me. <laughs> I feel like, oh, I want to, talk to you but it's not my place but i want to totally. <laughs> i want to totally. show you that there's a better way there's a better I way i got that 
Well, when I was at um at Mountain, my last cooking job, they had like little, you know, teapots that they'd put on the tables and they'd have, you know, you could steep the tea inside the pot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love those. Like, I want one of those for my own home. But they were yeah. awesome. And like, we filled them with like everything from like seeds and like weird. It was a Japanese restaurant, like these like nuts um, and leaves. It was very cool. So, do you, yeah do you have you ever heard of Jen Maicha? Yes. Yeah. I was like was was that um was that was probably that's a big popular that one in one of them, yeah. It's like mm-hmm. rice, isn't it? Yeah, Toasted yeah, so that's rice. A, Yep, exactly. It's like a roasted and popped rice. So it actually looks like popcorn in yeah. mixed in with this green tea, but it's just a it's a roasted rice and mm adds a really like unique flavor compared to any other green tea I've had. That's very cool. Yeah. One, one that I definitely, when I first tried it was, um, I didn't like it actually. I had, uh, I had to grow accustomed to it and now I'm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's like earthy and it's got a lot of like dimensions to it. I really like it. See, and I would love to, I was so I just recorded a podcast last night, and I was telling um, the girl I was talking to. I was telling her, I'm like, I'm really bad when it comes to like using words to describe the flavor. <laughs> I'm really bad because I always like resort to like earthy, vegetal, sweet. Yeah, <laughs> those are like my go-to, and I'm like, okay, yeah. but there's there's more to this so that many. I just that I can't. And so now you, I feel like you have this experience in like the food industry. And I would love to like just share some tea with you just to hear <laughs> hear what you All would have words, to say. Yeah, I mean, you but were just like, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I mean, that's an interesting thought. I definitely. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I'd need to think about what my tea words would be. I'm sure you could use the same food because really, tea is a derivative of food, right? Like it's yeah. dried leaves and seasonings and all Mm -hmm. that stuff so that's a a good point yeah it's i like people compare it to uh wine a lot of times yeah and so you can be a tea sommelier just like you can be a wine sommelier and so there's different are you on your way am i um no (laughs) (laughs) i I will you actually have to go to school for that and oh you do it's yeah it's oh it's a real thing yeah it's a real thing and i'm done with school (laughs) like like at least proper education i should say i'm i'm a firm believer that you never really are done learning but it's um yeah i don't i don't see myself going to school for that that's fair yeah (laughs) well i think you i think you've got a good base on your own yeah, yeah, I would agree. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> that. Awesome. Well, okay, I want to get into this food stuff. So, yeah. So you currently you have is it Mad Sun LA Tacos? Is that mm-hmm. and textiles? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Let's backtrack though before we dive into that. Where did this where did this all start? So, I was post college. I graduated with an advertising degree from UT Austin um, and then was working in advertising. I was on my second year at that agency um, and wanted to find a way, like I loved my job. I worked in strategy. It was very fun. I was working on like, you know, cool brands, um, Mercedes Benz, 
we launched some cool Crocs, um, like big fun stuff. Um, but, but I was missing like this one component of my life that feels so like integral in my life outside of work, um, which was food. And I was like, you know, I want to bring this to my professional life and what I do. And maybe there's a way that I merge like my strategy experience with food, or maybe I just dive into this food scene, but I was like, regardless, I need to learn more. I need to figure out what this, you know, food passion really entails, whether or not it's just like a hobby or something I really see being a part of my life. Um, like, you know, in a bigger way than that. So I moved out to LA was just like needing a change at that point. I'd been in Austin for five years um, Mm -hmm. and took a job at, I was looking for a a kitchen job. The first job I got offered was a baking job at the butcher's daughter. um, And I took Mm it. So I wasn't sure about the baking thing. Like I think food, like savory food, definitely speaks to me a bit more than baking. Um, But I was like, it's a restaurant job. It's a well-known restaurant. Um, Let's do it. Let's see. And I I, like remembered, you know, like I got the job offer and then my boss called me. I was like, okay, so I'll see you at um, 5 a.m. on Saturday, Sunday. Your days off will be Tuesday and Thursday. And like, you know, by next week, you'll probably be working your shift alone. Like, you'll be fine. I was like, what? Like, I have no idea what I'm signing up for, but like, let's, mm-hmm. let's do it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Diving into the, diving in head first and <laughs> baking of all things. It's such a, again, it's such a science. Like when it comes to, I've, I have extremely minimal baking experience. I've baked one mm-hmm. cake in my life and I followed the recipe to a T, at least what I thought. And it came out horrible. It just came I guess I shouldn't say horrible. It was edible and my family was really nice and they were like, oh, it's, it's good. <laughs> we'll, we'll eat it. Um, but that's, yeah. So the fact that you kind of dove in headfirst and especially to, into something that. And I was not a baker, right? Like yeah. similarly. Yeah. I like had you know, baked a you know, couple dozen times maybe in my life. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, sure, we'll see. And, and I have to say Amazing. that baking on like that, like, you know, larger scale definitely does feel a bit different. Like we were churning out, you know, like a hundred soft pretzels a day. Like they would ask me to bake off like 12 to 18 loaves of bread before the restaurant opened at eight. Um, like our department was everything from the pizza dough in the restaurant to all of the breads, which I think they had like five or six breads and all the pastries. Um, so it really wasn't just like pastry. It was like a full array of things. Um, and I learned a ton. It was very cool. Did you ever bake, uh, croissants? I did in my free time. So after I left, I never, that was like the one thing I wanted to learn Yeah, and never got a chance to do it. So I remember like in between that job and the next one, I was like, I have the skills I can do because it's hard. Like that's like one of the like most notably hard things to bake. Um, And I was like, I got this. So I I used my Tartine book, which is one of my favorite restaurants. Mm -hmm. And they have like a croissant recipe that I think is like 15 pages long. Um, And it took me three days and I did it. (laughs) Yeah. So during quarantine, um, 
my brother's girlfriend was over quite a bit. She kind of like lived with us and she made us croissants one day. And well, I should say like three days because what we like watched her like three days. You'd have to like refrigerate it, then you'd have to yeah. pound it, then you'd have to roll it, then you roll have to, it. Yeah, yes. there was just a so much of a process there, but so worth it. She made chocolate croissants and normal croissants, mm. and it. Oh my gosh, I I would have literally if my family. I had to discipline myself to not eat them all <laughs> because I was like. My family will kill me if I eat all of these, but they are so in the fresh out of the oven, just so warm. So good. So good. So good. Is she a baker or was that just like a in her a free time. project? It was yeah, she's she's an amazing baker. Um, but like by trade, no, she's she just does this all awesome. in her free time. She's worked in a bakery before. She lived mm-hmm. so my brother and her lived here in Minneapolis um, when I first moved here. And I know that she worked in a few bakeries, but I don't know if she was like a baker. What I don't know the different positions. Um, yeah, it is, there are in in a bakery and everything. So yeah, um, but it's cool. it's amazing. It's an amazing skill. And like, because again, I've seen my dad also got like really into baking bread. Like I think like everybody kind of mm-hmm. took over like a sourdough type thing. Yeah, like, totally. And so hearing that you're making how many loaves of bread before yeah i think it was somewhere between like 12 and 16 before 8 a.m um yeah and like we'd have we'd do all the pizza dough for the day like you know you're making 120 pizza doughs like how many per people? weekday yeah how probably many 120 no oh, people just, just me and sometimes my boss Oh my god! Um, and I got That's... really good at like rolling the doughs into like the dough balls. Like I, you know, my boss mm-hmm. would time me and see how fast I could do <laughs> the 120. It was, I got pretty speedy at the end. Um, what's what? Was, what's speedy? Let's let's hear it. Brag a little. Uh, it was under five minutes. Under five minutes for 120 for sure. dough balls. For sure to cut and then roll. Oh yeah. My and then you have to pack them and like get them in the fridge and like that's a whole nother process. But it. I mean, it was cool because you're working with all these different types of things. And then we also had like cakes on the dessert menu. So, you know, and it was always like, well, what do we want to come up with next? What do we want to make? Um, yeah. So it was creative. It was, yeah, it was a pretty wild job. And honestly, like the strongest my arms have ever been. Like <laughs> it is hard work. Bakers, like it's hard work. That's awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. Again, you're up so early. And I'm sure you, yep, yep, carrying, yeah, that's all that. (laughs) That's incredible. So, so you did that. Dove in head for how long did you work there? There for a little over a year. Just a little over a year. Okay. And then, and then what? How did this? And then, um, you know, I still had that itch of I want to be cooking, and Mm -hmm. like this was great restaurant experience. This was really fun. The team was really awesome. Like by my team, I mean like me and my boss and one other guy who was there mm-hmm. when I wasn't. Um, it was a small team, but um, yeah, I was still craving that like savory line cook experience. Like I was kind of like hanging with those guys like on my break, um, mm-hmm. and so I was like, I want to see this out. So I worked on Abbot Kenny, which is like the main like strip of restaurants and you know shops in Venice. Mm-hmm. Um, and about a block down is this restaurant called Mountain, which um, 
there's a group of restaurants out here called the Jelena group. And that's kind of like the, like, like core of like the Venice, like restaurant crew. And I think like, I was super, super interested in working at one of these restaurants because the guy who started it is, um, and just a huge fan of his. Um, and mm-hmm. I think they're doing really interesting stuff. So, you know, dug my way in, found somebody there. Um, and on one of my, um, I think it was on like a weekend, I went in and staged with them, um, which is like where you just go and cook. And, you know, it's a trial day. And I think it was like Memorial Day. Or it, was, it was something where it was a really busy day so they're like oh actually like we're down a couple people like hop in with us um and that was kind of like my day of like you know can can maddie handle this um yeah i had never worked on a line in a kitchen so and, and they like threw me in i think they kind of knew that but not totally um but it was really fun it was a great day um and at the end of the day i got hired and i worked there for I think it was like four or five months until COVID hit and the restaurant closed. Mm. But again, like a really cool experience. It was Japanese, like I said. Um, they like, you know, made sushi, so they'd bring in fish. Mm-hmm. They only really used like seasonal local produce from nice. like the farmers markets around here. So I learned a ton about like sourcing and you know how to really do that the right way. I think a lot of restaurants don't, which you know like not to fault them they might just not have like proper access or ability but yeah. it's very cool to see that working and then you know use the food accordingly yeah in the kitchen yeah. So. talk on that a little i mean about the sourcing because i think that's such an important thing to understand especially for anyone trying to start any sort of kind of business where you're trying to or, or a consumable i should say um yeah yeah, like what what did you learn about that? And like you were talking, it's it's difficult to to understand everything. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I learned how much it benefits the farmers mm-hmm. to you know pay a little bit extra and like what you get from that um, in terms of like you know building a proper food ecosystem and supply chain. And I mean it's like LA is very special because just like, you know, when I moved out here, I was like, I have never seen like this bounty of like produce grown, like literally a few miles from my house. Mm, Um, Like it's very cool. Like the geography, you know, is very special and lends itself to a lot of different types of food. Um, And yeah. And, and so the restaurant I worked at was very, like it was very important to them that everything we use be what's in season and what's right around here because they wanted to support our neighborhood and our community. Um, and I, I saw a lot of impact and, um, and I think that's really awesome. So, and, and it's cool because it, you know, is one of the, like these major restaurants in Venice. And I think it's totally leading the charge and a lot of restaurants who try and get behind this too. Yeah, amazing. And so, and was it kind of, is this kind of a thing in LA or was it a thing that your, um, the, the restaurant was wanted was like an organic type of produce or was that kind of something that, I don't know, like what is the thought on organic versus non-organic when it comes to like the restaurant and yeah, yeah LA I as think, like a whole? Yeah. I mean, I, I have to say like when I grocery shop, 
you know, at, at like a major grocery store, I focus more on like the organic versus not because yeah. at that point, like it feels like there's a bigger differentiation. But I think like when I'm shopping at the farmer's market, like not all of it is, but I think the fact that it comes from um, farmers close by is really important. Like think about all yeah. the like labor and the like waste that comes in from transporting you know avocados from mexico versus avocados mm-hmm. from down the street like that cuts out a lot of waste um and so like being able like like granted like it is great to be able to like give you know other countries like the ability to sell here like i think that's super important i'm not trying to say we shouldn't be doing that um <laughs> But I do think like being able to utilize like what you have close by is very good for just like the food ecosystem in general. Oh, so yeah, there's so much, so much good about it. I mean, the transportation is the big thing that comes to mind, like you were just talking about. Um, and then this just supporting the local economy, I think is, totally. is also really important. And then the other thing that I think, I know I've talked to people and there's, and you mentioned it was like eating foods in season. Do you want to like kind of talk about that? Because I know for a while, like I've heard people say like, well, if a food's not in season here, it's in season somewhere else. Is that the that case? That takes you back to the transportation. Thing. Yeah. So it might be the case, but you know, like right here, like I, I was just talking to my family about this the other day. Like all I've been eating lately are oranges because oranges are just around. It's citrus season here. Yep. Um, you know, and it's fun, I think, to kind of like eat not and not just fun. Like, I think it's actually a really good thing to do, but eat with the mm-hmm. seasons, right? Like once, you know, summer rolls around, it'll be peaches and stone fruit and plums. And then mm. move into fall and you get apples and all of that. And, you know, like talking, I was at the farmer's market yesterday, like the strawberries are just starting to become like ripe and they left them on the vine for a couple more days to try and get there because it's early in the season versus mm. you know two weeks like they'll be able to pluck them and like right on time and they'll be delicious and they'll be sweeter and just like I think cueing into like how your food really tastes is really important like during different times of the year um yeah right, our farmers are working really hard to like get that right taste and the right you know product to you yeah yeah i've recently or this year i guess end of 2020 starting of 2021 i i kind of made the decision to eat more um well i try to eat locally as much as possible but definitely eat more in season and over i mean the food is just better like it it tastes better too i mean that's a huge part of it too right it totally does yeah. And so it's like, it's more enjoyable. And then it gives me something to look forward to when I think, when I know like, oh, it's about to be like berry season, like or yeah. strawberries are just around the corner. Like, totally. awesome. I've I've been craving berries, but I've been holding off because I know that they're not in season yet. And, and so, and- yeah. yeah. And, and then when I do have it, it'll be, uh, it'll just, yeah, it'll make it that much better and more more enjoyable so and again and it's just from a health perspective i think it's more nutritious it's more and when you start to do this if more people are doing this it moves away from the monoculture type 
growing that we're seeing like the vast majority of like the Midwest is a lot of corn and soybeans. I mean, getting into the sustainability of that, it's just that we know that that's kind of tearing up the ground because it's stripping it of the nutrients and there's not totally. replenishment. So if you eat in the seasons, it allows you to grow. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm wrong here cause I'm not a agriculture guy yeah, no, I, I, from, from what I understand. It's, it's just allows you to diversify and therefore yeah. kind of work with the natural cycles of, of the earth. I mean, we live in this culture now where, right, you can get anything you want at any time, right? Like look at Amazon, like you could get anything next day. So I think yeah. this idea of food, like I think a lot of people feel the same way. And it's like, well, you know, if you really want to get an apple when it's not apple season, like sent to me in LA, it's probably coming from somewhere else. It was probably picked, you know, a couple weeks ago during mm -hmm. a certain time, you know, maybe something was put on it so that it stays the way it is or ripens appropriately, like along its journey to you. Um, yeah. And I think it just, you know, makes for less pure and less tasty food. And, and the point of food is to enjoy it and to be nutritious and help your body. Yeah. Yeah. It's not only fuel, but like it should be enjoyable. Yeah. Release the serotonin, the dopamine, totally. whatever, and all that stuff. And I know it does for me. <laughs> That's for <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> and like, and it sucks too, because I love sushi, but I live <laughs> in the Midwest and I know, and like now I'm just like so conscious to it. Like whenever I get sushi, I'm like, oh man, I just know like this is not yeah. good quality stuff. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm in the middle of such a like, yeah, like so far away. Yeah, so far away from all this fish, <laughs> and oh, it sucks. But so you guys were making sushi. You said at this Japanese restaurant. Did mm -hmm. where was the fish sourced from? Like, was it pretty much just fresh caught stuff? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of it was from the coast of California, which is cool. Um, like they kind of again based on what was available and what farmers had on hand was kind of like how we determine like what fish we had that week um yeah but it was very like that was definitely the most fun part of the job like you like see the big fish like get brought in and yeah you know my boss would work with me i mean like you know taking apart a fish is no easy feat um yeah and it's it was a very cool skill to learn and i remember you know a couple of months in getting the opportunity to do that and just like, you know, we'd pull out little parts of the fish and put it in the pan and he'd have me try it. And like, you know, who knows like what those like organs or things were, but like, yeah. it was a very cool um, experience that like I will never forget. Amazing. So, what's your, what's your favorite fish to eat? Oh man. It was more like, like we made hand rolls with all of our fish and yeah. um, a couple main dishes too, but we had some like, incredible hand rolls i'm trying to think of what my favorite one was hmm i know honestly they're all so good yeah like we did, like we did salmon ones we did compacting mm -hmm. ones we did like scallop ones mm -hmm. um it was very cool that's yeah that's amazing i i love raw salmon that's like yeah i, I don't know something about it like that and tuna like those two i, I they're, they're very stereotypical when it comes to sushi and 
that's kind of like the extent of my fish knowledge. <laughs> but they're delicious. They're, that's yeah, it's because they're delicious and they're so yeah, good. Look no further. You're you're good. I'm to good. Go. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So you said that unfortunately this restaurant closed down because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Are they like shut down for good, or did they just show close down for a little bit? So. It was a slow process and it was actually, I have to say, really interesting to be a part of a restaurant closure during COVID because, you know, it being a Japanese restaurant, it was ramen (laughs) and rolls and, you know, like small plates, which is not designed for takeout. So, you know, we first heard about this COVID thing and we were like, what do we do? How do we pivot? Like, we need to start delivery. And of course, when we hopped on, like, you know, queuing up a DoorDash or like a whatever delivery system, because we didn't currently have that in place, mm-hmm. there was a three week wait because every restaurant was also trying to do the same thing when, yeah. you know, the pandemic was first starting. Um, so we, you know, people called in orders and, you know, the front of house staff would take the order, run it back to us. We'd, give them a time they'd go back out let them know how long it would be until it was ready like it was a scrappy system um yeah and you know tried that for a while had to change the menu around a bit also had to work with like okay so we have this whole walk-in fridge filled with food how do we start to clear this out like what do we do with this like all this wasted product like we knew we were gonna have to close soon and like what can we do to you know try and like use this produce that we have like, like restaurants store a lot of food um in the back right. so um so yeah we changed around the menu tried to like clear some stuff out um ended up making like some pretty incredible boxes for all of our employees i helped with that nice um to you know just at least the food wouldn't be wasted yeah. um and yeah ultimately i think it took two, three weeks of like the delivery and then we had to close. So what they did was they closed for about three, four months and then reopened as a Oaxacan restaurant because most of the back of house staff was Oaxacan. Whoa. Um, What's, and so what, what exactly so, is that like? So it's, you know, part of Mexico um, and it's a style of Mexican cooking. Um, so like, you know, heavy on the salsas, I'm no expert. I'm a hot yeah. and I haven't worked there, but it's delicious. Um, and they renamed the restaurant. It was called mountain and now it's called Valle. Um, okay. and it's, so it's some of the same staff. It's slightly different, but the reason they did it was, um, you know, to create a takeout friendly, um, menu. They had to like reshape their whole business. Um, and you know, tacos are much easier to do takeout than ramen yeah. or, I mean, ramen can be, but like their ramen was like, you know, uh, there were 5 million little things on the top yeah. of the ramen bowl and they all looked like flowers and it was perfect. You know, like it, it's, it, yeah, it's it a different experience. So, yeah. so yeah, that I actually ate there last weekend. For the first time, I've had it take out a couple times, but I ate in the restaurant or outside oh, nice. the restaurant yeah. last weekend. It was delicious. That's so. amazing. That's that's awesome. Getting back into that that routine. Yeah. So I kind of want to know 
you mentioned the waste aspect of restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really cool that you guys kind of put together boxes for the workers and everything. What, I guess, do you know, you haven't worked in too many restaurants, it sounds like, but do you know, like, what kind of generally goes on with waste? I'm curious, like, because I'm assuming yeah. that restaurants have a lot of waste. Like, what happens with that? Because is it really bad food? Like, do they just throw it away? Like, what? where does yeah. it go? I mean, restaurants have to uphold a pretty high standard on, you know, what they can serve. So unfortunately, it does create like, you know, a fair amount of waste. Like after a couple of days, if a food looks imperfect or if, you know, there's no way to kind of present it to a customer in a way that they would want it, like you do have to throw it out, unfortunately. And, And that comes down to like, you know forecasting correctly and making those right calls so that you're not Mm -hmm. buying way too much and having to throw it out. Um, But Mountain was really good about not wasting. So I haven't worked in a lot of restaurants that, you know, do heavily waste. I know that that is a problem in the industry, but we would save everything. I mean, they were like, don't use the garbage can, put it in the stock pot or put it in the, you know, like we'll grind up like the ends of, um, like green onions and like, you know, the part that you're just not going to use for garnish, like we'll put that inside of a dumpling. Like they got really crafty on like how to really use every little piece um, of food. And honestly, very, very little was wasted. The bummer of what's wasted, honestly, was when the food comes back. And so like, you know, if you, take food out and then mm-hmm. the table eats like two thirds of it. And you're like, Oh, like, oh no. Get tossed. <laughs> yeah. There's like a full dumpling there. You're like, no one's going to judge you. If you, if you maybe <laughs> slide it in your pocket for later, <laughs> that might be like a food handling. No, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that would be probably bad. Um, no, that's really cool though. That's that's nice. So, did you guys ever have compost set up for the food that you did have to throw away, or was that we didn't, but we should have. I think, yeah, like that yeah. would have been a great way to you know kind of save the rest of it. Um, yeah, but yeah, we never. That was never. I don't know if it was a discussion and it just didn't happen or why we didn't, mm-hmm. but you know, I think, yeah. I think restaurants absolutely should be doing that. Yeah. It's just, to me, it's, so I love the idea of getting creative and like using the butts of like fruits and or vegetables in like stock or whatever and stuff like that. I, I think that's incredible. Um, but there is going to be waste. And so, what you can yeah. compost to me, composting is like an easy thing to transition to. And then you're going to still going to have like the, the dairy and meat stuff that you can't really, or you shouldn't compost. Yeah. Um, not too sure what to do with that stuff. If you have yeah. animals, maybe feed it to yeah. like a, a dog that's in the back. <laughs> but, um, no, yeah, I, I think that would be a cool thing to see the industry do, especially if there really is that much waste. I mean, that's kind of completing the cycle then of you take that, you make compost out of it, you sell it back to the, or you give it back to the farmers, you sell it back to the farmers, however that works. Yeah. And then or they use that. Or create your own, you know. Yeah. Or ideally. Like, who knows how much space people have. Exactly. Or, but yeah. I like the idea of like a full restaurant 
you know, like all of these restaurants kind of create this garden with soil and yeah, and that food goes to whoever else. Like that's it. That's yeah, it. go to community gardens or something like that. That sounds totally. like that would be a a really cool one. Con- considering I've I've done a little work with community gardens in the past, and it's mm-hmm. yeah, I think that those are a really great idea for kind of just teaching, especially people who have lived their whole lives in in an urban community. It's a it's a cool thing to teach to where food comes from. Like if you've never really seen a farm, here's a nice little example of what a farm is like. Yeah. And, and so, how easy it could be to grow your own food, right? Like I, yes. I actually have just started and I'm like, it's oh, yeah? mind blowing to see what like, you know, a seed can produce. Like, like, you know, it can feed you endlessly if you what take are, care of it properly. Yeah. What are you, what are you growing? I'm I'm starting with herbs because I'm yeah, nervous. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a good place to start. Some tarragon because I can never find that. Um, and some basil, even though I think it's still a little too chilly for my basil. Um, oh, but yeah. he's inside. They're all he's. I'm not sure why. <laughs> and they're all he's. <laughs> <laughs> Don't assume um, it's gender like that. I know. I know it shouldn't <laughs> be. But like, this is how I end up talking to them. <laughs> um but yeah and and i i just got um have you heard of row seven seeds rose seven r-o-w no it's cool there are like all these different varieties of like heirloom plants um and it's based out of the east coast but i just got some habanada peppers which I don't know if you've heard of them. They're habaneros, not... but they're not spicy. Whoa. So, wow. So, so they've got like the flavor without the spice. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's... So I'm kind of excited about this. Yeah. 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 That's super exciting. I'm, um, so is this all indoors or outdoors? Cause with herbs you can do indoors, but you live in yeah. LA. So, yeah. So I'm, I mean, I, I know it's not cold. But it does feel a little chilly. So I'm starting them all inside and I'll move them out in the next couple For, weeks. Plants are, are picky sometimes. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you that. But <laughs> you're, a, you're a Midwest girl at heart. You, you totally. Know yeah, you know it's not cold. <laughs> but for the plants, I'll, I'll give them, I'll I'll give them that. Break. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's for the plants. It's not for me. And you got like, do you have an idea of yard space? Do you have yard space at the current place that you live? or? I don't I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I do have the yard space. Um, yeah. It's like daunting getting into like some of these other vegetables, but like would love mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, grow the things that I eat. So like, I have some bigger, you know, vegetables kind of queued up. If like these herbs are a success, um, they're nice. small, but yep. yeah, maybe one day I'll grow watermelon. We'll get there. <laughs> I feel like that's a that's an awesome jump. <laughs> and then if well, you have the, that's that's the one day we're starting with tarragon. <laughs> then we're gonna get to a watermelon. Get to a watermelon. Yeah, that's yeah. I. So in the house that I I live in now, the couple before built a um, a raised bed in actually in the front yard. It's really cool. So we oh, have nice. a backyard, but it's in the front yard, and it's. Honestly, it was like kind of a selling point for me. That's like why I really wanted to move here uh, or one of the reasons. And I'm really excited because I moved in in October. I, 
it was lucky enough where they were growing a bunch of peppers. I was able to harvest a little, a few peppers before the first snow. Um, But I'm really excited to, to get working on that. Hopefully in the next, I mean, it's Minnesota. So probably still have two or three months, unfortunately, until I can actually do anything. (laughs) But yeah, I'm I'm excited because I don't know what I'm going to dive into there, but it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be like my first kind of, growing project besides like yeah. I've, done, I've tried herbs before and they've uh-huh. kind of failed <laughs> yeah. I've, i tried to grow lavender and chamomile to make my own oh, nice. blend out of that. they both failed did you start nope. from seeds or did you start from like a little plant no from seeds uh, from seeds i have some more seeds so i'm going to try it again and actually yeah. i might i should probably try it sooner rather than later so that i can time it so i can maybe plant them yeah, outside yeah yeah but um yeah, I well, don't know. It's, let I, me know if you have any major discoveries. I'm always <laughs> and you as to well. figure it out. <laughs> yes, yeah, you as well. Because I, I love the idea. So again, during quarantine, I lived with my parents for a while, and my brother and I and my dad, we built a garden in my parents' backyard, and they that thing boomed. Like that was really? incredible. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun and and really cool just to see everything that that happened the the cabbage that we were growing we were growing so much cabbage my brother made a crap ton of kimchi and oh yeah it was it was just it's really it's again there's something to it when you put in like the time and effort it's like the same with cooking when you take the time to cook your own meal it tastes better versus like tacos that you get from a store or the tacos that, or the, I don't know why I'm on tacos because you make tacos. Um, <laughs> or the food. Yeah. And no, I love makeup, but I do, there's something so gratifying about like creating your own dish or food or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. Like you, there's a lot of time invested in that. And you know exactly what you're getting, which I think is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, a really big aspect. If you're, if you're trying to, be conscious to what you're eating and what you're consuming and like the whole local thing. It's about as local as you can get. (laughs) And (laughs) that's incredible. So, okay. So you worked in mountain until it kind of closed down and then it made this transition to this walk-in restaurant and you did not, you didn't work in that restaurant when it was. No. So at that point, once I, um, once they closed, I was like, okay, what is next? Like, I still yeah. want to be cooking, but I didn't really know anything past that. And and the first few weeks of, like, real, like, quarantine, like, when, you know, you couldn't leave your house, like, it felt yeah. scary. Like, I remember, like, I stayed at my parents because I was like, I don't know, like, you know, what's going to happen? Like, yeah, no one else. Yeah. We're like, let's stay together. Um, you know, we'd have the news on every night. Like it was a scary time. Um, mm-hmm. but I also felt like I was being super safe and I wanted to help the people around me. And I think like, you know, between my parents, friends and like just some people I knew out here, I think a lot of people were struggling with the let's work from home. Our kids are home and we have to like, you know, live our lives. Or like, or like get like get our things done. So like a big pain point felt like dinner. Yeah. Um, you know, like how am I supposed to like fit this into my day? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, and and the restaurant scene was feeling dicey. So I started a little like dinner catering company. 
um, out here and just like would send out a weekly menu Monday through Friday, I think. And, you know, you could opt into whatever day you want. I would drop off the food like outside of your house, like totally contactless um, and good to go. So like it was kind of a fun way to like help these people around me. My list grew very quickly because I think a lot of people were, you know, searching for like a couple more easy meals. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was fun. It was like a good way for me to like take a lot of the mountain skills that I was developing and still learning and and continue to learn and experiment with different foods and learn how to make stuff um, and while also giving it away. Yeah. So that was more like a fun kind of project for me. And after about six months of doing that I was like okay like I want to find my specialty here and like figure out what it is that like I'm really most excited about um because you know one day I'd be selling poke and then one day it would be like homemade pasta and then one day it would be like veggie wraps like it was so across the board that I was like I need to figure out like my identity and all of this um and like kept going back to Austin, which is when like my food, like I really learned how much I loved food. I learned yeah. about food, like just a very special time. And the staple of Austin is breakfast tacos. Um, and I have to say, I, I don't think that there are any in LA. And I've even had people say the state of California that compare it to <laughs> Austin breakfast Damn. taco. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, that was missing yes oh that's so cool that's such a first of all i think it's a it's an amazing thing to hear of you starting something during covid because like i mean like we saw with mountain there were a lot of places that unfortunately were hit really hard and had to shut down so it's really nice to hear that kind of in this fire you were able to to grow something because you saw the need and you were able to help. I mean, and that's the cool thing is it started with helping your community by targeting people who, yeah, like you said, these are parents who not only have to work their two jobs, but they're also now teachers. They're also like just daycare sitters or whatever. It's yeah, it's, it's wild. It's a, it's a wild time. Can't imagine what it would be like to have a kid in this time or during yeah, during the I, exactly. I and then scary. yeah, and then you're afraid because no one had any idea what COVID was. Like all yeah, like you just do we hear, go eat at restaurants or do we yeah. like you know can we go to the grocery store? Like like I remember all of those questions of like what felt safe. Um, mm-hmm. And like, yeah. I took it upon myself to you know obviously you can't totally like like avoid the like chance of getting COVID. But I was like, I am going to lock down so that I can try and help these people around me. And like, you know, if I'm providing them with a meal, like they should be able to trust that this is like safe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, laid very, very low. And mm-hmm. actually I think one of the other interesting things about what's happened during COVID is like my, like grocery shopping behaviors have changed so dramatically. And now mm. almost all of my grocery shopping is done 
like through Instacart or like the delivery apps, which like I used to love grocery oh. shopping. Yeah. Um, but once I started doing it in such volume and I was also like, I don't want to be at the grocery store every day. It doesn't feel safe. Like I'd rather like, you know, wipe things down when I get home yeah. or when they get to me. Um, like just felt like a safer way of doing things. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and like, that's the habit that like, you know, now that things are opening back up, I still find myself, you know, ordering my groceries like that. And like, plan to continue it so it is weird like how you know behaviors change or things grow or you know like this time has shaped us in a lot of different ways like our behaviors yeah oh so, I, I know that's like a very minor like lame example of no you know, like what, what COVID's doing but like I, I see it in a lot of my behavior yeah it 2020 it was a huge pivot point for I think a lot of a lot of businesses, a lot of people, a lot of just habits in general. And it's I mean, I I've always found it funny when people were saying like when things are gonna get back to normal. And in my like there's not that's not gonna happen. Like it's just we've now it's it's about adapting to the situation. Yeah, like, exactly. This, this exactly how it is but i agree like it's not like it's gonna go back to before this all started and we'll forget yeah. all about it and yeah exactly like i like obviously things will open up again like movie theaters concerts and stuff like that will happen again yeah but businesses i mean my cousin just told me that his company they have a fit like this was actually a while ago they came out and said like if you want to work from home for good yeah you're you can you can do that and if you want so like i'm seeing that across the board with a couple of different companies um and just there's different protocols like when i go into a customer because i still do travel to customers there's different protocols like even just as simple as like a hand like i don't shake the hands of anybody anymore which is bizarre like that's like i'm in sales i'm in business and it's like that's just not a thing anymore like reach them the same way i totally agree yeah. And so it's, it's just, I find that to be an extremely interesting part. And so that's not a lame example at all. It's, I think it's cool too, because it shows just the adaptability of humans and how we've, how you were able to like, okay, this is what I need to do to help my business and help the, those in the community be like, okay, she's taking all the right and proper steps. I trust yeah. her. And yeah. You so you were able to adapt to that, which is, I again, that's that's a great thing to hear. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how, like, Mad Sun, my like that breakfast taco company launched. Um, yes, yeah. So you said you're focused primarily in breakfast tacos, right? Yeah, Amazing. so Austin inspired breakfast tacos, um, and it's a super straightforward menu. Like, it has four tacos on it four different sauces to go with each taco. Um, and that's kind of it. Like we dabbled with cold brew for a little bit, a couple other yeah. like random things. But I mean, like in Austin, the way you eat breakfast tacos is like, I just remember going into my advertising job. Like I'd probably, I lived two blocks from or less from my job and passed multiple places where I could go pick up breakfast tacos on my way to work. And, hmm. you know, everyone kind of came in with like, couple foil tacos in their hand and like we'd yeah. eat them or like we'd have bags set out in the office in the morning like like 
the ideas they're sold individually. You can get as many as you want. It's a very like grab and go concept. Um, And I was like, I love that idea. And I think, you know, Austin feels very small and has a community. And I love the idea that Venice has that same thing, um, which is where I live and like wanted to get them into like restaurant countertops and like you know coffee shops and was talking to a lot of places about just like what this you know breakfast taco lifestyle in Venice could look like or even like another idea I dabbled with was you know doing that out in Malibu um Mm. with servers right like I think that would be a great idea like we spent a lot of time out there like kind of beginning of quarantine like the beach is closed for a bit but I mean, I have to say the ocean has been like my, like, you know, where I've spent the most of my time during quarantine because it's safe and it's open and, you know, and and, and these surfers are all out there. And I'm like, this would be such a cool opportunity for like, you know, these people before or after surf. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So it was, you know, kicking on that for a bit. Um, And yeah, like it, it was very exciting. Yeah, so you so is this in stores or where I guess where do you sell? Are you, are you kind of like yeah. direct to customer or what what's So Tuesdays and Thursdays are direct to customer. Um so Tuesdays are delivery, Thursdays are pickup. Um and and right now it's all kind of out of my own space. Um yeah. and and honestly I have to say like I'm reading the situation and just like kind of what's happening in the world um i have a lot of things i want to do to expand it but i'm not ready yet because like like i was in a couple conversations with some restaurants about you know what it would look like to do pop-ups there and what it would look like to do all this stuff and i just i don't think that we are in a place yet where we really want to explore and engage like in the food scene and um yeah like it it doesn't feel like the right opportunity for growth so like kind of holding steady for the time being and you know in time I think the restaurant industry will start to grow again and start to flourish and that's when I'd like to grow this that's awesome so, oh, that's so cool. I, it's honestly a lot of like private events and you know stuff like that for the moment because i think that's what people really want like you have to read like your audience yeah 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 i agree and so what take us through the flavors i mean like what are what are you looking at like you said it's a very simple menu but yeah what what do you have what do you offer so bacon egg and cheese bean egg and avocado um which i have to say each one is kind of like an ode to a very special taco or experience or like something oh. in Austin. All right, um, then let's, so, let's hear it then. Well, like, the bean egg and avocado one is there's like a, you know, coffee shop in downtown Austin um, called Joe's and they have like a, it's, it's just more like straight up bean. Um, but it's this like delicious, delicious taco that is kind of like a known taco that, I absolutely love and just reminds me a lot of like being in a certain area and part of Austin. So that one's very special. The 
bacon, egg, and cheese just reminds me of, you know, like college Sunday mornings and going to get yep. your greasy taco at <laughs> you know, a place on campus. Um, yeah. That I think, you know, almost all of my peers in college can relate to. Um, mm. And then we have a street corn and egg one that, like, one of my favorite things is there's this restaurant called Torchies, and they have, like, a street corn, which is, you know, corn like with, like, it's yeah yeah um and it's delicious so essentially I put that corn mm. into eggs, um I mean, with some cheese on top and it's delicious yeah i think that one's probably the fan favorite um yeah and then a rotating one so you know in october i did a pumpkin one um which had some goat cheese and spices in it that was delicious and did like a pumpkin seed chimichurri okay um so they're a bit unconventional but they also yeah i think speak to austin i think the people who like have eaten the breakfast tacos that eat them are like oh my god like this is so like you know it it brings you back to a place which is why i love Mm. food and and you know if it doesn't like it's a delicious taco and that's awesome too. And I want to share that experience with people um, out here. Oh, that's so, so cool. I, yeah. yeah it's, it's a very fun experience and like, you know, spent a lot of time like making this what I wanted it to be. So, right. Like I learned at Mountain about sustainable um, and ethical mm-hmm. sourcing. That's how I source all of my ingredients. Um Another big thing, like I really wanted to learn like Photoshop and, you know, all of those creative tools um, through Adobe when I was still in advertising and like taught myself how to do that. And, you know, with the help of my very creative stepdad, like we launched the Instagram, which was super fun too. Um, So, yeah, there's been a lot of like very like fun and interesting things to it and i have to say i've learned a ton and it's 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 hard work but it's really fun yeah yeah i do have to say i love the the vibe of like your website and your instagram it's so bright and colorful and it's it's really fun i mean it's for breakfast tacos obviously and it feels like a great way to start your morning just the just even like looking at that yeah it's it's exciting well that's that's what we're hoping for um yeah yeah, and, and I wanted it to feel kind of different um, and unique, I think, you know, especially, I, th- I think, this, you know, the food world is very saturated on Instagram, and, you know, and, and honestly, a lot of the posts don't really even have the pictures of the tacos in them, like the, yeah. you know, actual food, but I what I hope more is that you get, like, a feeling and a vibe from from the page and that's that i think uh i think you <laughs> and the header are on the right path at least um so then you you also mentioned sauces what kind of sauces do you offer are those are those homemade yeah all the sauces are homemade there's a red salsa a tomatillo salsa um like i said we've kind of had like a rotating one where we had that um the pumpkin seed chimichurri for a bit and then I've got a um a chipotle aioli made out of cashews 
for the um for the street corn taco which like great. don't be scared by the cashews people are like cashews and I'm like, try it you won't know <laughs> there's a cashew in it <laughs> is it is it because like cashews are kind of fatty and like it adds a nice texture totally or? they're fatty and creamy i mean honestly yeah. you can make an incredible like aioli from cashews oh, that sounds like <laughs> this whole conversation i'm I'm. I just ate breakfast, but I'm totally gonna mm-hmm. make some food after after we're done talking. Yeah. <laughs> but that sounds incredible. So, where did like the sauce inspiration come from? Like, is there is it kind of also tied to Austin, or was that more your own doing? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of like I think food ends up being like you know a culmination of all of your experiences. Some of this yeah. was you know my time at Mountain. Some of this was my experiences in Austin. I mean, and some of it was just research. Like I spent a lot of time like testing and trying and like reading taco books. I mean, you should see my bookshelf. It's <laughs> reading it's, taco books. I love it. I mean, I truly have, like I'm looking at it right now, like, you know, a, a hefty collection of taco cookbooks. Um, I love but it. I think it's, it's fun and it's fun yeah. to like explore and try stuff. And, you know, that one rotating taco will continue to rotate because I like testing and trying new stuff. Um, another thing to mention that makes the taco so good is there's this company based in East LA called Colonel of Truth Organics um, Tortillas. And they are incredible. Like yeah. they are just, like they make some of the best masa and tortillas, I think, in yeah. LA. And I've tried a lot. Um, and yeah, every Sunday I'll drive out there, pick up some from their factory because like their operation is mostly east and I'm pretty okay. west. Um, yeah. But I'm like, these are the tacos to get. They are absolutely perfect. So if you're ever yeah. out here to get some Colonel Truth tortillas. Cause 100. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the tortillas because that's such a, obviously an important part to a taco. Um, so are these corn tortillas, I presume? They are corn. Okay, I, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I, I know that I think, you know, a lot of Texans have a lot of opinions on like when to use a flour tortilla versus a corn tortilla. Um, mm-hmm. And I totally agree. There's a time and a place for a flour. I'm not there yet. I actually haven't found the flour tortilla that I like want to use. Like I, I'm much picky. I, I like corn more. So, yeah, you know, it's a search to find like the flour tortilla. We're not there yet. So we're using just corn That's for cool. right now. Yeah. And so, okay. First off, let's talk about this process. So what is, is it you, um, and say the name again, Colonel? Colonel of Truth. Colonel of Truth. So what's their process like to make these tortillas? Because I actually don't really know much about tortilla making. If I don't know if you do. Yeah, I, I actually don't. But I know it's very straightforward. Like I think a lot of um, masa is just not like has a lot of additives to kind of keep yeah. like, you know, you can buy the bag of masa um, and it'll stay for a, a long time. Yeah. They, their tortillas only last a couple weeks. Max. Okay. Honestly. Yeah. Um, because they're just so delicate. Um, three ingredients. It's very, very simple. Um, and you go to the factory and, you know, they're flying off the carousels. Um, so so there's there's a great article that came out about them a couple of years ago. Definitely worth a read. Um, but yeah, I think 
I think their um, level of integrity and ingredients is like mm-hmm. what spoke to me the most, um, yeah. which is why I sought them out in the first place. And mm-hmm. and yeah, and, and they're truly delicious. Like they are like thin, but also like so hefty. Like they like really like hold your taco like, in. Yeah. Really yeah. Because that's that's a challenge with especially with corn tortillas um and i say it's a challenge yeah they they do break and so how do you prepare the corn tortillas because i've found like the way that i like to do it at home but i'm curious like how do you prepare that to make it even more delicious well so it's a whole it's a whole like it's a beast of a product project because like i know how to make tacos that i you know can serve to my roommates or my friends or my family But the idea of heating a tortilla, putting the ingredients in, and then wrapping it up in foil and eating it an hour and a half later is like a totally different thing. So I remember, you know, my first round, I did a couple test rounds with some friends and they'd get there and the tortillas were like disintegrated because they were too hot when you put them in the foil that they break. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they're so delicate. So it, I mean, it took weeks to figure out like that perfect like level of heat for the tortillas so that and and actually what i found was you heat the tortillas very minimally but if the egg mixture is hot that's enough heat to like keep the whole thing like wrapped up and happy and warm because if you heat the insides and you heat the tortillas like you know to such a high level it just breaks yeah and i think with the one of the most frustrating parts about like delivery type food that I've, I've just found is the condensation that builds up and then like makes, makes things like kind of soggy sometimes. Like, is that a thing? Like, how do you, how do you like work with that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a balance, right? Like you don't want it too hot and you also don't want it too cold. Um, yeah. You'd keep everything in coolers until it was ready to go. Um, and the nice part about these breakfast tacos too, is like you can pop them like in the microwave or on the stovetop and they will like reheat really well. Um, obviously not ideal. I'd rather them come perfect, but, but yeah, so I think it's just, it's a balance of figuring out like, you know, your timing on where you put what and how you store it and how you pack it. Um, and so every taco is rolled up in a piece of foil and then the tacos are put into like a, brown paper bag essentially um put my little sticker on the top so all the bags look the same and then yeah kind of a matter of like where you store those bags until you're ready to roll because i was waking up at like four or five o'clock to start my taco orders so that i could like you know start on delivery days start driving around delivering around eight um but some people didn't get their tacos until 12 or 1 depending on when they ordered them so okay so it's definitely like you have to learn a lot about like, you know, how long they can sit, what do they really need, how does each taco get delivered to, you know, people in the best condition possible. Yeah. All of that. Yeah, amazing. And so the other thing that you i don't know if you're currently doing it yet but you are you're called mad sun la tacos and textiles correct yeah yeah and so i just a very little bit that i saw on um on your website the i guess 
go into what the textiles part is, but I, what I imagine is that has to do with like kind of the waste of the food. Yeah. 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 So, so another quarantine project because yep. I think everyone's got some, um, yeah. was I started dying, like I was cooking and I had, I think my first one honestly was cabbage. I was making something and like had all this leftover cabbage and was like, I want, like we were also tie dyeing. Like, so that was like nice. kind of top of mind. Um, and I was like, I want to use this cabbage and dye something with it. Um, yeah. I thought that, that was silly, but it came out incredible. It was like this crazy. So, so what you do is you take the scraps, you put them in a pot, boil the water. You want to get hot, but you don't want it like insanely, insanely overheated because when it overheats, it changes color okay which is a whole nother you know thing but so you get it hot you let it steep like tea you know and then after you know anywhere from three hours to like you could leave it overnight if you want it um yeah. you strain the cabbage out and then you have the side out um so yeah so so it turned this like incredible purple yeah. um so I used red cabbage and yep. then I washed it and it turned like a beautiful light blue. It's like, wow, Whoa. this is so cool. So yeah. a lot of time like messing around with that stuff um, and got a book. And the first book I read, I think it was something about um, avocados and you can take the skins and the pits of avocados and turn it pink. Um, it's crazy. Like literally like a, brown gross looking avocado yeah. you know, skin and pit um and you need a lot like i'd probably do like you know eight or nine so i, I keep them in my freezer like when i'm done yeah. with them um, yep. and you know once you have enough you have this great dye bath and i mean like it makes like a big vat of water um and yeah, it comes out this like cool, it's almost like butcher paper pink, you know, okay. like, like yeah, a yeah. reddish, brickish pink. Yeah. Really cool. That's um, yeah. So it was like, oh my God, like cabbage and avocados. Like I'm already using these in my tacos. Yep. Let's, let's keep going with this. Um, and yeah, I'm like, as I make tacos, I collect all of the ingredients. I mean, even like my black beans, I was like, okay, so I buy black beans dry. And then as you um, heat them up, you know, and get them cooking, the water turns like a weird murky color. Yep. Like, well, let's put a t-shirt in it. Let's see what happens. And and it came out great. It's like this like really pretty like gray blue. Um Whoa. so it's very cool. So I do treat the shirts beforehand to keep like the colors vibrant and you know, keep the colors on the shirts. So yeah. there's a little bit involved in that. But otherwise, like very, very straightforward and like it's cool to see. Like what you know, I've I've pressed flowers into shirts, I've yeah, it's just like fun to experiment. Yeah, and this is all stuff that that you do at home. Yeah, so I do it all at home. I have like these big, huge, like steel pots. Um, 
and yeah, it's, it's, it's been cool. So, and it's a great way to read, like, I know I'm not, um, like the scraps are still being thrown out at the end of the process. So I'm not able to totally like save all of the waste, um, but at least it's getting a second life. Um, and that feels really good. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so that's, uh, it's really cool that you kind of came up with this idea and yeah, it's kind of just random like that. Have you ever thought, I know you don't really use this in tacos, but it's funny, like we were talking about with, with the tea that I was drinking, I made um, a ginger turmeric and I actually spilled a little too. I have white countertops and spilled a little turmeric on it. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap. I know I don't have to clean it after, uh, after we're done recording, but have you ever tried to work with like turmeric or anything like that? I have for my own personal use. Um, it's so messy. And it's honestly, so my kitchen is white tile, like, <laughs> like, like Florida, not, not the actual ceiling, but like, you know, That's, all the walls, all the floor. Um, same. Yeah. So I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> it's understandable. It's a very staining. Yeah. Like I said, I've, so the previous homeowners, they gave me a, um, a hint cause they freaked out cause they would, they would drink some red wine and they would spill it on their countertops and, Obviously, like I said, it's all white here. Um, but they found that baking soda, like baking soda, like the baking soda toothpaste, if you like scrub oh, it in, that actually gets, gets rid of the stains. Yeah, so that's, that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna try that here after with my with my turmeric <laughs> little drip well, that so I then have. You don't want to use like a towel because then you stain the towel. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I have a bunch of turmeric towels that like I'm just like, oh, I messed up. And, like these are <laughs> these are dedicated totally. to turmeric spills. But yeah, I think that's that's a really cool, again, getting creative with the waste that you have is, I mean, that's the, that's the thing to do. Like that's, that's the sustainable act. Um, and I think especially just kind of how things, how people are starting to make those switches into more sustainable practices. I think that's a, that's something that um, will draw attention and kind of st- stand out because i know like people who i've talked about like and saying like yeah i'm gonna have um mad sun la tacos and textiles on the podcast and they're like what like tacos and textiles like what do you mean like i'm confused like what does textiles mean and so like yeah i've totally been um like when i go to explain it to people i'm like then you take your taco ingredients and make a t-shirt. Everyone's like, it sounds like a Portlandia sketch. Like, yeah. sketch. <laughs> it's and so I'm like, true. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's actually very, very cool. I have never, like, worn something dyed by food. And I think, you know, while it doesn't necessarily curb the waste, because you are still throwing out, you know, the food in the end, I do think like giving it that second life is very Mm -hmm. exciting, right? Like having your food actually have two uses is great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, when you look at how dying became a thing, it was because of food. Yeah. Like it literally was food. People would find these different herbs and spices and just foods and boil them and see what would happen. And like these beautiful, vibrant colors. And it's, yeah, like that's what I love about like, I mean, when you get like the nice herbs for tea and then you can start mm-hmm. to, it, it kind of makes an exciting cup Full because circle. like, 
Yeah, totally. yeah, exactly. Uh, that's that's totally so cool because um, oh, I was just about to, I feel like add something to that, but no, it's just uh oh yeah. So then after you're done with the with like it boiling whatever it is like the avocado yeah. pits and and um and the shells or whatever you call the the peels yeah. um that's still i mean you can compost that still right totally and yeah. you know that that dye that will last you like you know depending on how much water is in it like you can get a lot out of that which is very really? cool too nice. yeah like you can you know reuse it and reuse it um I had an issue a bit this summer with how many times we could reuse it because it's like, you know, a, a vat of cabbage water sitting in the heat all day. <laughs> like, <laughs> use your imagination. It gets pretty gross. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you know, if you work quick, do it like back to back days. Like, you can get a lot done. Um, how many, and it's how many shirts to, about? Oh my God. Like, you know, working my way through 100 right now. Um, and we'll we'll keep seeing, but like yeah, I'm using like shirts that are also based, like you know, a, a, an Austin staple. Um, it's called Phil Smart. It's the brand. Um, because they have this kit that you know that is very that a lot of shops in Austin are using. Um, so that's fun and exciting and. You know, and honestly, each batch comes out differently, too, because, like, the way you put the shirts in and which shirts you put in and how many, um, like, impact the way the dye clings to the shirts. And, mm-hmm. like, I, I remember I did an onion skin one where if you use red onions, yeah, the skin turns, so you, you make this vat of dye and they come out dark green you're like what, what in the yeah. world and then the craziest part is if you crumple them up for whatever reason it has a very hard time and i'm still trying to understand why like the dye just doesn't lay flat on the shirt so it comes out in like this tie-dye pattern like almost Whoa. naturally yeah very very cool and it's like the green shirt that came from a brown onion yeah like it's, it's just like- <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me but it makes okay sense. so i feel like someone's thinking this because i know i'm thinking this does it smell like no. onion okay no good no, <laughs> yeah. it, well, it, you know maybe initially it, we wash them and then i you know use like a nice um like a detergent with some you know smells in it not like your kind of standard fragrant detergent but like yeah. there's there's a shop out here that you can put like you know perfume essentially into your detergent so the shirts arrive to you smelling very nice (laughs) and not like onions (laughs) not like onions and cabbage and old avocado (laughs) oh that's that's good that's i think reassuring for for some people but no that's that's really amazing (laughs) so are those are currently not available yet so they're available for pre-order um and i'm so like so they're being made and and the way like again another thing i've had to figure out is do i make them all at once and sell them like no not really like i should kind of make the order and you know they take a couple days to do so you know if you get your order in it takes about a week and they can hopefully turn it around so that's 
that's the goal rather than, you know, like buying through my inventory of already pre-made shirts. Um, because also like, you know, I want to add little signatures to each one and, yeah, I, you know, embroidering, you know, little things on them for certain people or certain situations or, you know, whatever it is. Like I want each shirt to feel unique and special. And I mean, that's why they take a bit because they're personal. Yeah, it's worth it, though. I mean, it's it's a nice customized shirt then. And uh, yeah, I think people will really enjoy that. What's uh, what's the shirt made out of? Just cotton. Any any fabric can be dyed um, that is 100% of any material. Like, those are kind of the best ways to do it. So, you know, it can be anything from plant fiber to an animal fiber, but, like, the purest version. And, like, if you can get something that's 100%, that's how your dye is going to cling back to the shirt. So, well, do, you know, do you know why that is? Um, I think it's just, like... You know, if it's all one material, it holds better. I, I don't know, like, yeah, you don't, science yeah. behind it, I've, but that's just but me. we put, yeah, no, I am too. That's a good point. I mean, we put two products on it before the shirts even go into the bath. Um, mm-hmm. And those are, you know, as I explained earlier, like one of them is to increase the vibrancy of the color. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one is to help it cling to the shirts better because, you know, like with turmeric, I have done it and the, the, um, I made like some socks and they come out like crazy, crazy vibrant yellow. And then you wash them and the color fades and it's, they still look great, but it's like less exciting. And I, I love that like bright punchy color. Yeah. So, which is what those like pre soaks do. That's awesome. That's yeah. That's really cool. Um, awesome. What's the, what's the future looking like for, for you with all this? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, my hope is that I can, you know, roll with and expand, you know, as the world starts to do the same. Mm -hmm. Um, like I want to continue to feed as many people as I can. Um, and I want to, you know, be a source of good and help and inspiration for people um yeah but i don't know i mean it, it could mad sun could be anything from a restaurant pop-up to you know like maybe a truck somewhere i i'm not sure yeah. how it's going to expand yet but like i'm open to opportunities and again i'm trying to just like i think there's like constant um pressure to like grow fast and quick. Um, But I also think you have to pay attention to the environment right now and Mm -hmm. like what people need. And I think people are slow to react right now, unless it's absolutely crucial because there's a lot of uncertainty, Um, you know, so so not making too many decisions too quickly um, and seeing what happens, but it will grow and tacos will be everywhere one day tacos austin breakfast tacos will be (laughs) everywhere yeah honestly i was thinking because again before this conversation i wasn't entirely sure what like how you were distributing and everything so i was wondering if this was a taco truck at first um but that's really cool that you're it's right now just out of your home just you doing your thing and 
and really getting after it. And I, I think talk- I, I did look into the track. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure. It, it sounds fun, but we're not there yet. Not there Hopefully yet. Hopefully one day soon. I bet it's, I don't know much about like food trucks, but I feel like there's a lot more to it. Like even with like the health standards that you have to do with it and like totally. the gas expenses and like, I don't like, how is everything powered on a, on a taco truck? Well, and the storage and the mood. Yeah. Like, like where do you, like put the truck and where, you know, like yeah. there's, there's a lot of, there's and a lot of, like where yeah. can you set up and you know, mm-hmm. how do you get your like ingredients to it? Like there is a lot. Um, but yeah, I think like that's the fun of the process is like, yeah. you know, figuring that all out. Yeah, exactly. And so. just the getting creative with, I think that's the, that's something that's really cool that you've incorporated into it sounds like just your who you are is you've kind of dove in head first into things not knowing what the hell's going on and, totally. and you just adapt get creative and roll with the punches and that's that's life that's how you grow in a business that's how i mean i'm trying to do the same thing with the <laughs> with this podcast and totally. yeah you just see what happens and then you just read the environment and move forward. Yeah, exactly. I love it. That's so cool. So what's, I guess just on a personal note, what's, what's next for you? Are you, you're staying in LA, right? Yeah. Staying in LA. Um, and yeah, like I want to help the food industry grow again, you know, like I don't, I don't totally know what that means yet, but I think, you know, COVID has brought up or, brought to a lot more people's attention um like what a broken food system like we're living amongst like Mm -hmm. both in restaurants and in the way that we like buy our food um and I want to be a part of and and I think now people are forced to make some changes and you know create some new processes and all of that so I want to be a part of that help that help restaurants get back on their feet all that Nice. Nice. I think that's a, it's an important thing. And especially out in California, it sounds from, you would know better, but just from how things are talked about, it sounds like it's seeing some rough times right now. So it's, it's nice to have someone like you hopefully uh, leading a little bit of a charge to, to help people and bring some joy through tacos and and awesome textiles and, and everything like that. Um, Is there anything else you kind of want to add about, about Mad Sun or anything? Oh, I think that's it. I mean, yeah, I think just, you know, stay tuned into the Instagram. I think, you know, that will be the best place for people to find out where, um, like where we are going next. Yeah. And what's this. the, what's it's the Mad handle? Sun LA. Mad Sun L-A. L-A. Awesome. And what's your website? MadSunLA.com. Beautiful. so <laughs> <laughs> it's yes. perfect easy it's easy yeah, so, so so thank you so much this has been so awesome yeah, yeah it's been it's been really awesome i'm really glad we were able to to catch up and i learned a crap ton just about what you're doing and just about this whole whole project and so it's, it's a really cool endeavor and i'm gonna have to i've been actually thinking i think once things kind of settle down um, in regards to COVID and everything, I've really been wanting to go out to California. So 
I'll have to make right. a stop. Um, yeah, we'll see you here. <laughs> and I'll, yeah, I'm definitely going to, I want to try some of these tacos. Yeah, for sure. good. Good, well, good, amazing. Good. Thank you, Maddie, so much. And uh, sure. yeah. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you to Maddie and the team at Mad Sun LA Tacos and Textiles. Remember to check them out at madsunla.com. That's M A D S U N L A.com. And remember to check them out on Instagram as well at madsunla. If you enjoyed the show, remember to hit that subscribe button. Uh, even give us a give us five stars and uh, and leave a little review. It really goes a long way, and I'd really appreciate it. And yeah, it shows uh, it shows some love. So check out freshsteeps.com um, if for more information on tea and everything tea related, as well as check us out on Instagram. I just launched a Twitter, so. There will be a lot of new updates there, um, all at Fresh Steeps. And just continue to to show up. We really appreciate all the all the listeners and everyone's um, continued support. And so to end today's show, we're going to do the Urban Dictionary T-word of the day. And while this really isn't a T-word per se, it's very related to our talk. Today's word is taco. So taco, the best food ever made. It's concise and straightforward. I love it. And I agree with it. Number two, taco can mean anything from food to a pussy to slang for a Spanish person. That seems a little racist. Number four or number three, sorry, tacos, a cereal with meat, cheese, and lettuce flavored O's in a tortilla bowl. It even makes the milk taste like tacos. That's a crime against humanity. Number four, taco, the greatest greasy food product ever made and God's given grace to mankind. Another definition within this, another better way of saying a woman's vagina. Sorry for that explicit, um, maybe you ruined the, the word taco. Number five, taco, another word for pussy or a female's vagina, mainly used in a sexual sense. So there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate all of you showing up today and listening. Have yourself a great day. Go have a taco and some tea. Nothing like like the two teas of life. See ya. See ya.